Great to have you here. Excited to be in the middle of uh, our series this summer. My name is Brian Wiles. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're newer or checking out HCO, you may not know this, but we are right in the middle of this series that we're calling the Summer in the Psalms. And it's given us an opportunity to, it's summertime, you know, you kind of slow down. Uh, you get the opportunity to spend some time reflecting and diving deep into who God is. And we love spending time in the Psalms because the Psalms are, the, right in the middle of the Bible, but it's a, it's a very special collection of writings that uh, really has connected uh, over the course of human history with people of, of all different backgrounds. When you think about the poetry and the prayers that are written in the Psalms, universally, people have identified their lot in life with many of these Psalms. There's many different authors that write these 150 different Psalms. A lot of them were written by King David, but there's also other authors as well. And so we get to have a picture of the, the true kind of gamut of the human experience as we read through the Psalms. And there's all these different types of Psalms. We, we've shared about this. There's lament Psalms where, where the authors are, are crying out to God in a moment of sorrow. There's, there's Psalms of celebration and Psalms of worship. There's Psalms that are pro proclaiming God's wisdom. In fact, today, the Psalm that we're going to look at is, is a wisdom Psalm. There's psalms of thankfulness, and, and as we dive into these, our hope and our prayer is that our hearts would be drawn towards God, that we would be longing more and more for God, and specifically today, that we would be longing for the wisdom of God. And one of the things that makes the psalms unique is you think about the Bible, you know, oftentimes the Bible is written, and it's kind of God's word to his church. And of course, that's true of the, the psalms as well, but the psalms, even more specifically, are humanity's words towards God. And that's what makes them unique because it's us humans praying out to God and asking him for wisdom and being honest and real with where we're at. And so oftentimes the Psalms answer the question, how do we pray? How do we go to God in the realness and the honesty and the high moments and the low moments and the moments of brokenness and the moments of excitement? How do we approach God and what does it look like to walk with him and have an intimate relationship with him? And so this summer, we've been seeking to dive into that. And our hope and our prayer is that you would spend some time in the Psalms this summer on your own and that God would speak and reveal things to you. And so today we're going to be looking at Psalm 1. We're not necessarily going chronological. Uh, I love Psalm 1 when we get the opportunity to, to give the different pastors or pastors in training the opportunity to choose whatever psalm they want to teach from. I love getting the opportunity to share about Psalm 1 because it is so rich. In my opinion, it's kind of like the crown jewel of the psalms. It's at the beginning of it for a reason because it sets up so many other psalms. And here's the big idea for today. It's this, that following God leads us to be people of true joy. Following God leads us to be people of true joy. This psalm is going to talk about what it looks like and what it means to live a joyful life. What it looks like and what it means to live a blessed life. And I think that idea of joy or happiness, especially within the church, uh, as a pastor, I've seen a lot of different extremes on kind of the spectrum within the church of what our view is on joy or happiness. Maybe you can relate to this a little bit, but uh, there, there's sometimes in the Christian world where people are, are just clear over here on this side, and anytime you ask them how they're doing, they're just like, well, I'm just great. I got 
the joy of the Lord today. You know, everything's fine. I'm happy. You know, I'm great. And no matter what situation it seems like you find them in, that's their response to everything. It just seems like almost you're like, is that even possible to just always be that happy all the time? And then on the other end of the spectrum, and sometimes you see this in church as well, how are you doing? Oh, man. It's just, I, I, I've just been reflecting on the depth of my sinfulness and brokenness, and, and, and I, I don't know how I'm doing. And, and we, we, we move from just pure joy and, and pure despair. And this psalm teaches us how we can actually have a consistent level of joy as we seek to know and walk with God. It's not based on our circumstances, but it's based in the depth of our walk and our knowing of Jesus. So I'm excited to jump in. If you guys want to turn with me to Psalm 1, we're going to make it all the way through this psalm together today. Starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditate on his law day and night. I want to stop right there because our first point is this, that following God leads to true contentment. It says, blessed is the one, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinner or sit in the company of mockers. That, that word blessed can literally be translated happy or joyful. So happy is the person who doesn't walk in wickedness, but happy is the person who pursues the Lord and delights in the law of the Lord. And as you read the pages of Scripture as you read the Bible, you will see that people who follow and walk with God have a deep joyfulness within them that comes not from their circumstances, but comes from following God. That word joy is used over 150 times in the Bible. That word blessed is used many times in the Old Testament, over 600 times throughout the pages of the Bible. And it's interesting because Scripture talks about this concept so often, but our world talks about this concept so often as well, don't we? It's, it's a subject that if we're really honest with, our world is kind of obsessed with happiness, with joyfulness. If you look around our world, so much of what we built in our world is built around trying to answer the question, how can I make myself happy? What is real happiness? Is it even possible to find happiness? Psychology, sociology, even some of biochemistry, these fields are built around answering that question. How can we make ourselves happy? In fact, just think about this. The first time I thought of this, it kind of blew my mind. As we're reading through Psalm 1, and there's this idea and this concept of, of blessed or happier people who seek God. Think about when that verse, when this psalm was penned. 3,000 or so years ago, right? It was such a different world during that time. It was such a, a, a harsher world, right? There was no indoor plumbing. There were no cars. There were no planes. The medicine was way different. Life expectancy was way different. Life was hard. And yet, think about this. If you read the writings of our ancestors, not just this psalm, but our ancestors in general, and you compare them to the writings and the songs and the poetry and, and the, the music that we make still to this day, if you had to make an argument whether we're any more happy or not, I don't think you could say that we are. As humanity, we have so much more comfort. We have so much more stuff 
We built this evolved society, and yet if you look at 3,000 years ago and compare it to now, inwardly, we still find ourselves in the same place. We have iPads, laptops, cars, heated seats, garages, all those different things. And yet at the very best, you'd probably just say, yeah, we're probably at about the same level of happiness. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still wrestling with, is it even possible? You might even be able to make an argument that right now in our world, we're even less happy than they were thousands of years ago. Well, what's the point? It's led many of us to ask the question, is it possible to live a blessed life? What does it look like? But here the psalmist tells us, let's jump back in, be reminded of what he says, blessed, happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. See, here's the good news, that even though so much of our world has changed, happiness, blessing, contentment, joy, it's possible to find, and Scripture tells us how to find it. It's found in seeking God. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He he says, it's not blessed is the king, or blessed is the scholar, or blessed is the rich, or blessed, but it is blessed is the man, blessed is the person. Blessedness is obtainable by the poor and the forgotten and the obscure. It's as attainable to those by whose names and figures and history are trumpeted by fame. In other words, God is an equal opportunity lender of blessing, of happiness, of joy, but it's always found as a byproduct of seeking God. Think about that. Joy and blessing is always found as a byproduct of seeking God. Tim Keller, a famous author, pastor, says it like this. He says, happiness can never be found directly. Happiness can never be found directly. What does that mean? If you make happiness or blessing your goal, then you're never going to find it in a lasting, deep way. If that's all you're striving after, just go make yourself happy. You're never going to truly find it. But if you make seeking God your goal, putting him first, following after him, meditating on his law day and night, you'll find God. And in finding God, you'll experience joy and peace and contentment. So what we're learning from this wisdom psalm is stop worrying so much about our own happiness And start seeking God and see how that experience translates into our joy and fulfillment and contentment that Scripture says is possible to find. I love how the psalmist says here, he talks about what we delight in and what we fill our minds with day and night. He says, meditate on God's word day and night. We think about our world and we think about our society. We were talking as, a, as an executive team and we were talking about like what would be one thing that, that we would love as a church if we could have us all be on the same page with. And it's like if we could just fill our minds, not with the things of this world, but with God's heart, with God's word, what would that do in our church? How would that transform our experience as a church? We started talking about social media. And I know it's so easy to rip on, but we made a commitment. We are going to rip on social media a lot this year, okay? So be ready to hear that, right? Because when you think about what we fill our minds with and what we meditate on, it's so easy to be the last thing you do before you lay your head on the pillow and the first thing you do when you wake up. And we wonder why we're struggling with being content 
because we see all these things that aren't even real, and yet we're meditating on them. We're spending time filling our minds with so much stuff that isn't God's word. And we're not delighting in him, but we're delighting in all these things that are fake and divisive and can lead us to places of just wanting more or, or being jealous of other people or being angry and lashing out at other people. That doesn't bring happiness. That doesn't bring lasting contentment. That doesn't bring blessing into our life. What we put into our minds matters. And so if you want to take some wisdom from the Psalms here today, the practical is, what are you filling your mind with? What are you delighting your mind in? Is it delighting on the Lord and things of him or other things? Let's jump back in. Verse 3 here. Talking about that person who delights in God, not in the world. It says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither, Whatever they do prospers. See, second is this. Following God allows us to grow in all seasons of life. Following God allows us to grow in all seasons of life. Oftentimes, we have to be careful with this section of Scripture, right? Because it says, whatever you do, you'll, it'll prosper. And sometimes people can misuse this concept and think that it means that, like, the more spiritual you are, the richer that you will be. Or if you just pray enough that God will give you everything that you want. And, and, and we certainly know that, that God doesn't act that way. God isn't like this cosmic Santa Claus who just gives us everything we want, is he? That's not what this verse means. It doesn't mean that everything you do will prosper in the sense of God will give you more and more and more earthly possessions. What it means is that God gives us the contentment of our heart as we seek him. I love this analogy that the psalmist uses. He talks about this tree. You know, and you can picture being in the Middle East and maybe there's time where, where there's not a lot of rain. And it talks about this tree that's planted by a stream. And so it's able to grow whether there's a lot of rain or not. Whether there's a storm, whether there's a, a drought, it doesn't matter because what is this tree doing? Its roots are going down deep. And so whatever's happening above the surface doesn't even matter that much. It's what's happening underneath the surface, the roots that are going down and getting the nutrition and, and the hydration that it needs from the stream that is right by where this tree is planted. The tree isn't dependent on the weather or the circumstances around it to survive. It's thriving because its roots are getting nourishment from this stream. And I think the analogy for all of us is to ask this question of where are our roots? Where are our roots? No matter what's going on in the circumstances of our world or within our lives, are our roots down deep enough in, in attaching into the gospel the joy that comes from knowing and experiencing God? We say that Jesus is the living water. That's why we're called H2O. It's because we believe when our roots experience the gospel and the, 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 the storms of life don't matter as much because the gospel allows us to thrive and grow. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like this or maybe thinking it in your, in your head? You say, you know, once I find that perfect relationship, maybe if you're single here today, like once I find that husband or once I find that wife, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to experience joy. Or maybe if you're a college student, you're like, once I graduate and get that perfect job, then that's when I'll be fulfilled. 
or, or, or once I have a certain amount of money, that's when I'll be content. Or once I start having kids, that's when I'm going to experience happiness. And all of those things, of course, are not wrong or bad. But if we're dependent on them to experience happiness, they're not going to bring it to us. They'll bring us moments of joy, but they won't bring us abiding joy that comes from walking and knowing God. The Bible says true prosperity and joy comes from one source, and that's him. Not our circumstances, but understanding and knowing the gospel. I remember it was five or six years ago, I don't remember exactly when, people were just kind of starting to find out about H2O. We got connected with a couple different networks, and people started hearing about the different churches that we were planting. And so there was a couple different networks that, that thought what we were doing was pretty cool. And we got connected with one particular network, and they had this big conference down in Orlando, Florida. And they called, and they asked if anybody would come and speak and share about us planting churches and reaching college students at this big conference. Conference. And so uh, I somehow got the opportunity to go down to this conference. And when I got down there, you know, when you're in ministry, sometimes people think like, if you get invited to these certain things, like that's the end all be all, you know, like you've kind of arrived. I remember going to this conference and they had like this backstage area where like there were famous people. I went to the bathroom and I was in the bathroom and David Crowder, I bumped into David Crowder in the bathroom. All right. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's an awesome musician, you know. And it's like, wow, this is cool. And you start walking around, starting to feel a little bit excited about that. And I remember thinking before I went down, like, I bet this is just going to feel awesome. And I bet this is just going to be so cool. I got up on stage, and I didn't even have a whole teaching. Don't, don't, I'm not trying to make myself sound great or anything. But I got up to be, be on stage in front of a couple thousand people and got to share a few thoughts on stage. And I remember getting off stage, and after that, thinking, I thought I'd feel a little bit cooler. <laughs> like, I thought there'd be a little bit more joy that came from that. Like, isn't this the pinnacle, of, you know, or one of them, uh, of like being in ministry? Isn't like this what you strive for? And I remember in that moment, God just kind of speaking to my heart and being like, if you're expecting to get joy out of some success in ministry or in your career, you're going to end up feeling empty pretty often. It might be a cool experience, and nothing wrong with that. But if that's what you're seeking to have contentment and joy for, you're going to be disappointed quite often. But if you're seeking me, and your roots are deep into the gospel, then you'll experience it over and over again. So would you reflect with me this week? Where are your roots at? Are, 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 they, are they shallow? If you're just honest with yourself. Are they shallow? Is, is so much of your, your joy based on the circumstances in your life and the achievements that you get? Or are they deep? Do they run into the living water and allow you to experience what he has to offer you? Seek him and you'll experience true, lasting joy. Let's look at the last part of this psalm. Verse 4, it says this. It says, Not so the wicked. They are like chaff and that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Third is this. Following God allows us to avoid self-destruction. Following God allows us to avoid self-destruction. Remember, this is a wisdom psalm. 
the, the author here is giving us wisdom. And he says, listen, if you continually pursue things that the world has to offer you, wicked things, then you're going to lead yourself into destruction. We live in a culture and in a world that has a really hard time saying anything is wicked. We want to say everything goes as long as it makes you happy. That's what we want to say. It couldn't be further from the truth. And we would be lying to ourselves and to the people around us if we buy into that type of mindset. The pages of Scripture let us know there is such a thing as wickedness. There is such a thing as sin. And when we get entangled in it, it may even seem exciting at first. It may even give us a thrill in the moment, but eventually it leads to destruction. It leads to self-destruction. It leads to brokenness. It's interesting because so oftentimes our world has it backwards. Pursue whatever you want because it will make you happy. Scripture says pursue God, and that's the only place to find true, lasting joy. Don't just pursue whatever you want. Sin will always lead to brokenness. Sin will always lead to hurt. Sin will always lead to destruction. We have to remind ourselves of that. That's the point of coming and gathering together, is to be pointed back to the truth, even if the truth is a little hard to hear sometimes. And so just as an encouragement, if you're here today and you're in a place of temptation, you're starting to go down a path, and you know it in your heart and in your mind. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in something you're doing in work. Maybe it's a private sin that you have in your life that's, that's hiding and is starting to take a grip on your life. I just encourage you, it's going to lead to destruction. We say it in love. Say it in hope because the gospel can set you free from that. When you take your roots deep into Jesus, you can experience the lasting joy that he has for each and every one of us. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. It says this, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and will not lose heart. See, Jesus, even as he was going to the cross, says he experienced joy. Even in the face of pain and mocking and abuse that he didn't deserve, he lived a perfect life as he walked on this earth. He says he experienced joy because he was doing the Father's will. And that's what brings lasting joy within our life. Perfect obedience brought him joy, even in the face of death and persecution. And so our hope and our prayer for every single one of us, is that our roots would go deep into the gospel. We would experience the joy that Jesus has to offer us, and we would live abundant lives so the world around us can see the hope that comes from walking with the Lord. Bow your heads and pray with me while the band comes up, if you would.